I am in many ways the black sheep of my family. My profession, the way I vote, the way I see the world, I'm in many ways a, a black sheep. Any other black sheep here today? Don't, you don't have to admit it. It's, it's all right. But one of the ways that I am the black sheep of my family is, is how I relate to music. My, all of everyone in my family, except my mom, I guess, but all of my siblings are musicians and they all married musicians and they all raised musicians. And my family apparently relates to music in a way that music speaks to them or it moves them in some way. And to be honest, I don't get that. Music doesn't necessarily, just the, the notes and the, the music itself doesn't necessarily speak to me, but the lyrics do. Lyrics I relate to. And God can and has a number of times speak directly to me through the lyrics of a song. For example, as you know, I took a sabbatical not long ago. I really had reached the point where I was dealing with more stress than I should be, and I was exhausted, I was worn out, uh, you know, felt a little beat up. And I needed some time to rest. I needed some spiritual healing. And so I took some time. Well, the first week that I was gone, I went to uh, Brian Johnson's place out in West Texas. And uh, there's all kinds of wildlife that just roam the place. And so there's a lot to see. And my routine was every day I'd get in that little gator thing. It's not really a gator, but I don't know what you call it. And drive up the mountain, watching the critters as I went. I'd get up there, look over the scenes, pray, visit with God for a while, drive back down. The first time I did that, I plugged in my, my earphones. and I was listening to a contemporary worship playlist on Spotify. And... It was just as if God started the week, started my sabbatical by speaking directly to me. As I started my way up the mountain, I heard the singer saying, God, you are the only thing that matters. And it was as if I was able to experience kind of adjusting priorities all the stuff that's got me weighed down, that's got me worn out, none of that really matters as much as you, God. You're the only thing that matters. And I, I thought of that as I started up the mountain, and then I stopped to, to look around me, about halfway up, I stopped to look around me, and I heard the words of a different song. The words were, you are here working in this place. I worship you. I went on, continued my journey to the top of the mountain. And when I got to the top of the mountain, I just sat there looking around me, thinking about what the week would hold. And I heard the words of another song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. 
Man, what assurance. There's such a blessing. After some time there, I got back in the, in the vehicle and started my way back down the mountain. And on my way down the mountain, after that experience, these are the lyrics of the song I heard. It'll be all right. All right. There's a new, new day coming. Just keep dancing. And as a Baptist, I loved that last line. I arrived back at the cabin just a little before sunset, and I sat out on the porch, and I watched the sunset as I listened to the music, and the lyrics of that song came and said, tell your heart to beat again. God uses the lyrics of songs. For some of you, he uses the notes as well, the music itself. But I think for all of us who are willing to listen, he uses the lyrics to speak to us deeply in a personal way. That's one reason we love the old hymns. But I think that it is very likely that many of us have grown up singing some of those great old hymns without really catching the meaning of the lyrics or stopping long enough to think through what those lyrics mean. So over the next few weeks, I want us to do that very thing. We're going to look at some weird words in great hymns. As we sing some of those hymns, as Jared just, just started our series with that great old song, some of the words in those songs are so weird to us. If we were to take off our religious masks long enough to be honest, we'd say, I don't know what I just sang. So let's take a few weeks to look at some of the weird words in great hymns. And this morning, we're going to start with a twofer. I'm going to give you two for the price of one. There's one, the, the hymn that Jared just sang has Two weird words that we're going to look at. Ebenezer and Fetter. Come thou found. Jared just sang it for us. And it was interesting as we prepared because Jared and I had that conversation about these words. We've sung them our whole lives, but what in the world are we saying? I want us to look at it not just because it's good to know what you mean when you say a word, but also because the, the, the scriptural references here are of, are of great importance and they deserve our attention. Come thou fount of every blessing, written over 260 years ago. This hymn is older than the United States of America. And so because of that, it's no surprise that some of the words that are used are not familiar to us. They're words that we don't use in everyday conversation. And so they are, they are worthy of our attention. The hymn was written by Robert Robinson. Robinson was born in England in 1735. When he was five years old, his dad died. He was raised by his mother. As often happens, he had some trouble growing up. And as a teenager, 
Robert hung out with the wrong people. They were basically a gang of hoodlums. When the Methodist evangelist George Whitfield came to town, Robinson thought it would be funny to get his buddies to go with him and they would go to the revival meeting where Whitfield was preaching. And they, they wanted to go and, and heckle him, you know, holler out and be silly, be goofy. They wanted to go and laugh at all the people and make fun of the folks who were there. And so Robinson and his friends, sure enough, showed up at the revival meeting that night. And Whitfield preached on Matthew 3, 7, which says in the King James, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Isn't it, isn't it amazing how God uses different verses at different times? That verse probably would not convince any of us to walk an aisle. But that verse grabbed Robinson. Oh, generation of vipers. He knew he was there just to cause trouble with his buddies. He knew he was one of that generation. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And Robinson left that meeting with, with that conviction. I am going to experience God's wrath for my sin. I'm living a life of sin and I, I need to change. He wrestled with that feeling of conviction in his own sin for three years. And then finally, at age 20, he made peace with God and almost immediately felt called to be a Methodist minister. Two years later, when Robert Robinson was 22 years old, he wrote this hymn as his own testimony. Look at it real quickly. Verse 1, it says, Come, thou fount of every blessing. It is an invitation. God, I need you in my life. When I do it by myself, I mess it up. God, come. But how does he refer to God? God, he says, Come, thou fount of every blessing. James says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. The fount of blessing. The fount is where the water comes from. So a fount of blessing is where the blessings come from. It's a direct reference to God recognizing that he is our good, good father. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. I can't even sing your grace because my heart is out of tune. I, I can't even worship you right because my heart is out of tune. If I come over here and turn all these little knobs on this git fiddle, then the next time they get up to sing, that's going to sound really strange. Because the guitar's got to be in tune with what's happening around them. And so Robinson says, tune my heart to sing thy grace. I want to be a part of the grace. I want to experience it. But right now I can't. Streams of mercy. Remember God is the fount of every blessing. So from that fount comes the streams of mercy that God gives us and they're never ceasing. God's mercy is always available. They, those, those streams of mercy are so amazing, so great, so awesome that they call for songs of loudest praise. Why do we praise him? Because he is the fount of every blessing and his mercies never end. 
Teach me, God. I don't even know how to say. Tune my heart. Once my heart is in tune, then teach me how to sing your praises. I don't even know how to do that. He says, teach me some melodious sonnet. A sonnet is a short poem. Melodious means it's got a pretty melody. What's a poem with a pretty melody? A song. God, teach me how to sing a song. That song of praise that is sung by flaming tongues above. You remember in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit shows up and brings the church to life? One of the ways that we knew the church was coming to life was that they, the, the tongues of fire settled over each of the apostles. When those tongues, or the disciples, when those tongues of fire fell on top of them, it was clear that something holy was happening here. The Holy Spirit had showed up. And so he's saying, I can't, as a human, as a messed up person that I am, I don't even know how to praise you, God. Give to me that, that song that is sung by the flaming tongues, the holy ones above, the angels, the, the, the heavenly creatures. Praise his name. I'm fixed upon it. The name of God's redeeming love. And in older versions, instead of name, the word is mount. Praise the mount. I'm fixed upon it. Fixed means I'm focused. And my eyes are fixed on that mount. Well, what is the mount? He says the mount of God's redeeming love. His love is so amazing. It redeems me. That's all I can think about. So I want to learn how to sing for him. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Come into my life. Teach me how to sing the praises that I want to sing because your grace and your mercy are so incredible to me. Verse 2, Hither, hitherto thy love has blessed me. Hither, who, who is Hither. Well, hitherto simply means so far. Getting me to this place. Hitherto, so far along my journey, your love has blessed me. Thou hast brought me to this place. And I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. Now, one of the reasons that I wanted you to hear out of our hymnal is that I think it's, I think it's disappointing how when we don't understand some of the words, we change them from time to time. It had we had an older hymnal, what we would have heard, here I raise mine Ebenezer. Did you hear when... Jarrah sang that earlier. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come. Saying the same thing, but he uses that great word. And the reason that I'm disappointed that some of the hymnals took Ebenezer out is because Ebenezer is a great spiritual, scriptural word. Let me show it to you in 1 Samuel starting in, in uh, chapter 7 at verse 7. He, he said, Hither by thy help I'm come. Hither means from somewhere else to here. How did I get here? 
I got here by your help, God. And because of that, I'm going to raise my Ebenezer. Well, what is that? First Samuel chapter seven at verse seven. And what has happened? We won't take time today, but in chapters four, five, and six, you get the whole story there. The Philistines have captured the Ark of the Covenant. Philistines are bad guys. They stole the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the Ark finally makes its way back to Israel, but some of the Israelites don't treat it correctly, and God punishes them. And so now they're scared of that box. They're scared of the ark. So they set it aside. And as they set it aside, they, they, try to, they try to kind of, in a way, they tend to forget about God. They eventually realize we have forgotten our God. He can't be kept in a box. And so they start to repent. Samuel is the judge who is leading them through the process of repentance. And so they say to him, dude, pray for us and help us get through this. Help us get right with God again. And we pick it up at verse 7. Because Samuel has gathered all the people and they are praying to God. They are repenting. They're getting right with him. Verse 7. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at uh, Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. So, so far, here's what we know. The people realize that they've been sinning. They repent. They say, Samuel, pray for us. Samuel starts to pray. He's focused on the altar. He's got a critter up there. He's about to make a sacrifice. His focus is here, not around them. And so around them, the Philistines start moving in and they're about to attack. But in uh, the middle of verse 10, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. They were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. God turned the Philistines around. They he confused them. They fell on the ground. Israel was able to defeat them. Israel won by God's help. And then verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now, the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer is a Hebrew word that means stone of help. And so he lifted this great rock, the stone of help. And he said the reason that he lifted it there was so that now everybody who comes by will see that thus far God has brought us. 
God has helped us get this far. And so the old version of the hymn said, here I raise my Ebenezer. As I look at my life, I see God has gotten me where I am today. I look back at all the troubles, all the trials, all the heartaches, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, and every step along the way, God kept with me. He stayed with me. He brought me through until I could come to the place where I was ready to worship him and praise him. Here, I raise my Ebenezer. When our church turned 150 years old, we, uh, this was our theme verse for the day. 1 Samuel 7 and 12. Here we raise our Ebenezer. Thus far, God has helped us. And everybody who came got a little rock, a little stone with that verse imprinted on it. And outside we put up a big, uh, a, a big granite stone. It wound up looking too much like a tombstone that confused people because it said Ebenezer and everybody thought we buried some poor old <laughs> feller out there. Poor Ebenezer died and we buried it. So We've changed that, but, but the idea was still cool. We, we put our Ebenezer to say 150 years, look how far he's brought us. But it gives him the glory. He's done the work. He got us here. And so we sing here, I raise my Ebenezer hither. By thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. You've brought me this far. I know I can trust you to get me the rest of the way. Now, we're almost done, but before we wrap up too quickly, you've got to hear that. You've got to hear Ebenezer. You've brought me this far. And as I look back, I can see all you've done for me. What difference does that make? Well, that tells me that we're going to be able to handle tomorrow too. You've taken care of me in my past. So I know I can trust you with my future. Because I've been through so much, you brought me this far. I know that we're going to be okay all the way home. The Imperials used to sing it well. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't lift us up to let us down. If the Ebenezer in our experience, in our life, says, God, today, I'm going to plant this in my memory, saying, I know you've brought me this far, so I can trust you the rest of the way. When we sing the great old hymn, Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing, we're inviting him, God, come into my life, help me learn to really praise you because you deserve that praise. I'm fixed on your great love. I'm overwhelmed by how you've brought me this far. I need you. Verse three in our hymnal goes on to say, oh to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. We owe God so much. Oh to grace, Great a debtor. I, I owe God such a debt of gratitude and praise for his grace. Daily I'm constrained to be. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tied to it. I know of, of all that he's done for me and I, I want to praise him every chance I get. 
And then he says, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And that's the other word that I want us to look at this morning is that word fetter. You ever use that word in conversation? You know, birds of a fetter? No, that's not quite it. But a fetter is shackles around your ankle. It's a chain that holds you in place. When Ashley was real little, we had the debate. When we go to the mall or an airport, do we put her on a leash? We decided to put her on a leash. Now, there's got to be a better word for that. Whoever knows what that word is, let me know. I don't know. But we, we had a way to hold on if, in case she took off. You could say that that was a fetter. It was, it was holding her in place. It was going to keep her close to us. And so the, the hymnist says, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. It's interesting that he says, I need your goodness to do this because my goodness isn't good enough to let it happen. By your goodness, I don't count on mine. By your goodness, Lord, you're so good. You're such a good, good father. Tie me to yourself because I have a wandering heart. My heart wants to keep moving. As we read in Isaiah, all of us like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And we never completely outgrow that, beloved. That old nature, that old, that old man, as we used to say, it, it still pulls us away. He says, my wandering heart needs to be held in place and my goodness isn't good enough, but your goodness could. Let your goodness like a fetter bind, that means to tie, tie my wandering heart to thee. And then he gives this great confession. This beautiful testimony. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. To be prone is to have a tendency or an inclination. I, I, I'm inclined to go my own way. I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel that. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. And then listen, this is how it all works. This is the whole hymn comes to this or this phrase right here. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. It's a wandering heart. I'm prone to get away from you. So God, by your goodness, hang on to me and then seal my heart. You know, when you seal something, you're going to close it up to keep it. You put a letter in an envelope, you seal the envelope. You put the tuna fish in the Tupperware and you, you seal it, right? It's going to keep it. We're saying, God, keep my heart. Keep it safe and secure and seal it for your courts above that one of these days I'll be there. Ebenezer. Look how far you've brought me. Fetter, now that I'm here, help me to stay close to you 
as we move forward together? You ever heard the term dance with the one who brung you? Some of y'all country fans, you're lying if you don't say you know that song. Dance with the one who brung you. Ebenezer, look how far you've brought me. Now let me just dance with you all the way home. Fetter, keep me tied to you by your goodness. Romans chapter 7 and verse 19, Paul makes a confession that is our confession. We have that wandering heart. He says, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Is that you at times? It's me at times. I'm prone to wonder. I need to know that my God, the fount of every blessing, might bless me again and hold me close and seal my heart for things above. Psalm 119 and verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Lord, take my heart and seal it for your courts above. Would that be your prayer this morning? Take my heart. Take me. As messed up and fouled up as I am, Lord, take me. Seal me. Keep me. Because if I depend on me, I'm going to wander off. But I depend on your goodness. Lord, I raise my Ebenezer today. And I say, I know you've brought me this far and I trust you the rest of the way. Take me home, God, for your good pleasure.